After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. All right, welcome back to the Hot Sheet Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ponce, the pu- the parrot. I almost called myself the pirate. That wouldn't have you been good. be the pirate. You're RIP, Leech, I guess. I'll be Whitebeard. And uh, this is Josh Norris down in North Carolina. The bear. He is the bear. The bear. So what's going on, Josh? We got another hot sheet podcast this week. The pirate parrot, the parrot pirate, one or the other. Um, some well, interesting names sits on the other shoulder. Yeah, well, you know, maybe maybe this uh, pirate sits on a parrot's shoulder. Just and to... isn't that the, the Pittsburgh mascot, the pirate parrot? I think it kind of is. Yeah. Oh, I it think that's literally its name. Oh, it's probably their mascot that walks around. I, no, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's literally its name. Yeah. Um, is is the pirate parrot? Yeah. It's not Bucko or something. I figured no, it'd be Bucko. No. Pirate. I'm gonna Google this now. Or or if JJ were doing this, he'd be binging it. Yeah, the pirate <laughs> parrot is officially their their mascot. That's a trademark. Wow. Well, there you go. We sort of backed into it. Original <laughs> original names there in Pittsburgh. I guess they like the alliteration of the Pittsburgh parrot pirate. You know, just a we lot said of it already. The on your pirate microphone. parrot. Pirate parrot. Excuse me. It's um, a mascot have... and a tongue twister. Two for the price of one. I had a friend in high school named Parrot. His name is Barrett, but we called him Parrot. I don't know why. Anyway, I didn't have a friend in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I really served that one up to you. Anyway, uh, let's talk a little bit about the hot sheet this week. JJ Cooper did the picking on these boys. Ben Brown is number one, but we're not going to talk about Ben Brown. We're going to talk about one of our favorite, as you would call the minks out there, Ellie De La Cruz. Um, what are your thoughts on Ellie De La Cruz? Because I had some conversations offline last week with uh, a few of my constituents about Ellie De La Cruz and kind of where he should fall in top 100 rankings. Um, some some of the conversations were more fantasy-based, but we'll say for the real-life paradigm, is this guy that, you know, at a, at a time where there's no clear-cut number one prospect, how unreasonable is it to consider Ellie maybe the number one prospect in baseball? And you're talking to the you know Jackson Chorio's number one fan in the world, but uh, if you know we get to the quarter, the halfway point of the season, and Ellie's still doing what he's doing, and for some reason isn't in the big leagues, and or graduated, then yeah, he's the number one prospect in baseball. I I think that's pretty easy. Um, 
He's hitting the ball insanely hard. Um, so he's got the power. He's got it from both sides. He's uh, he's always going to strike out some. He's got incredible twitch. He's got, you know, and JJ wrote the article last year. He is, well, Shohei Otani is the Martian. But among minor league prospects, you know, Ellie De La Cruz has the most otherworldly skill set you can imagine. It's it's at least 380s on the card, and the other tools aren't much of a slouch either. The only question is going to be the hit tool, and it might not be, you know, an average hitter, but it's going to be good enough where he can play in the big leagues every day and make an impact every day. You know, I, I was really excited when Yuri Perez got called up. Um, I'm going to be really excited when this gentleman gets called up too. It, it, he's so much fun. And, you know, I did a little story on him when we we're doing minor league player of the year last year. Uh, he finished one of the runners up. I got to talk to him, spend a few days in Chattanooga and just what a wonderful young man to talk to. Just really fun guy, really serious about what he does. Definitely wants to stick at shortstop in the long run. Really one of my favorite things. So that's, this is a tangent here, but that series, um, Eric Davis was in town as, you know, special instructor or whatever. And I kind of joked that, oh, I guess Ellie for, uh, for these three days or whatever is only the second best athlete on the field. But I talked to Ellie. I said, well, what's, what's Eric Davis teaching you? Well, He's trying to teach me how to steal, how to be more efficient when I'm trying to steal third base. And I said, well, can you tell me what that entails? He goes, no, 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 no. That's a secret. And I go, Ellie, look at me. Do you think I'm going to take these lessons and use them? And I'm not stealing third base anytime soon. And he still wouldn't, wouldn't budge. So alas, I will never know how to steal third base. Um, <sighs> Unfortunate. We could have really used that for the BA softball team where yeah. we had the go the go go the go go bear on the bases, you know. Um I mean you never actually played in any of our little scrimmages. Uh no, I haven't. But uh you never navigated the, the ball fields with the cricket stripe uh, in the outfield. Um hmm. yeah, it's very weird. There's a stripe of cricket turf in the outfield behind the former BA offices. Point is to get all where the way Kyle back, Holder learned to hit. <laughs> to get all the way back um yeah if 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 Ellie De La Cruz is eligible at midseason to be the number one prospect in baseball and he keeps doing what he's doing I see no reason why he would not be unless you know Chorio absolutely goes bananas uh in the southern league with the rise ball ride ball yes. old ride ball um, yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I uh, I think sometimes with Ellie that the, the the risk is too overstated. It's almost like analysts, and I mean this as, as public analysts, it seems like it's mandatory that you're like, well, I mean, there's a lot of upside here and it could be great, but the hit tool and the concerns and this and that. And it's like, well, but there's not many guys that can run a 30% strikeout rate as a 20 year old in double a and still hit 300, you know, um, the approach is up this year. The strikeouts are down in triple a he's below. It's only 21 games. It's only 103 plate appearances, but he's below 30% in terms of strikeouts. Last week was a, a fairly sizable, uh, jump in this area, 10 walks to four strikeouts, um, had almost twice as many hits as he had strikeouts. 
Um, if you combine that with walks and hits, the number of times he was getting on base, just purely removing the power, um, it was four times as much. So, you know, I think sometimes with guys like this, that the hit tool, the swing and miss can be a little bit overstated because of the athleticism, the things that he can do, how hard he hits the ball, how well this guy covers sort of that shadow box, shadow zone around the actual strike zone. Um, you want to keep a certain level of aggressiveness in a hitter like this because he can do damage on pitches that other players can't. Um, I always kind of liken him to Tatis in that sense, that there's all this explosiveness. At times, he will take a very aggressive hack that can look a little ugly, um, but it's with purpose because you don't want to sort of put the reins on this guy's game. You want him to go out there and try to do damage. And I think eventually what's going to happen, I know that JJ said this to me last week when we had a similar conversation, is I think eventually pitchers are going to start to pitch around him and he's going to take more walks simply because they do not want to throw him a strike or anything that's even remotely near or around the zone, just sort of work through it. So, Well, you just you just said it happened. I mean, 10 walks to four strikeouts. Sure. You just kind of said exactly what that was. But I, exactly. Well, I guess I guess now you're going to throw a strike to Christian Encarnacion Strand. And until recently, I mean, you might also throw a strike to Matt McClain. So it's not exactly a, a one-man show in the Louisville Bats lineup. No. It's not the Louisville Bats. It's the Louisville Bats with an S. Oh, thank you. But uh, I think, you know, nonetheless, I think when you look at the combination of power and speed and upside and the fact that he does have this great athleticism but also defensive skills that allow him to play a premium position, to me that makes him a pretty exciting uh, player overall. Oh. Um He's, he's, he has a chance to be the most exciting player in the sport if everything goes yeah. well. Well, outside of Shohei Otani. But, yes, yeah. I I tend to agree with you. Well, it, it, he's not pitching. <laughs> not pitching, but we're talking about exciting, you know. Pitching's exciting. All right. Going 100 miles an hour and hitting balls, like, over 110. Not, uh, I don't know. It's fairly it's exciting. That exciting as – I think he's done, done this a couple times now. I think last week he's – he stole third base on a throwback to the pitcher again. That might have that been happened a few times when I was in Brooklyn a couple weeks ago, and the pitcher was just not paying attention at all to what was going on. Dude, like, I saw it a couple weeks ago where the uh, guy got a hit, and the pitcher forgot to go into the stretch, and uh, the runner was halfway to second. <laughs> the pitch was delete, delivered or, but in the middle of the lineup. He just forgot. That's uh, unbelievable. No, it's unbelievable um, is the problem. <laughs> probably, anyway. probably true. Probably true. Let's yeah. talk about another interesting player here that was uh, one of the guys I wrote up. And I think this man is an absolute enigma. Or I, or I said he's either an enigma or the easiest read in the minor league, in minor league baseball. That's or Elvis Martinez. Um, yeah, I don't get it. I figured spending a, a, a full year in, in double A kind of figuring out like some balance of approach would maybe be like something he focused on this off season looked pretty good in spring training again, just like he did last year goes to New Hampshire and it's all or nothing. And this is an all or nothing profile in the worst way. It's not like a Joey Gallo all or nothing profile where he does take his walks and work deep into counts. I'd have to see what the numbers are per pitches per plate appearance. I would guess that or Elvis is probably 
one of the lower numbers in all the professional baseball. This dude loves to swing. He loves to swing early in the count. Tries to ambush every fastball that he sees. Sometimes it works. Fortunately for him, he played in First Energy uh, Stadium in Reading, Pennsylvania last week. And if you know anything about uh, First Energy Stadium, you know that the ball travels. So maybe some balls that might have been flyouts in other parks in the Eastern League happened to go over the fence. He had seven hits last week. Five of them were home runs. One of them was a double. And I know JJ had said this, but I believe he has like two singles all season out of like his 15 hits or something I think it's like three, that. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's um, been, he's been, he's been awful. He entered the week hitting 093, 167, 280 for a slash line over 21 games. And, you know, uh, a week where he hit five home runs in first energy stadium kind of raised his average. Um, still at eight strikeouts to one walk. You know, this is to me, this is just such a tough profile because you do see the power. He can look exciting on a ball, a ball field. He's not altogether lost defensively. I don't think he's a shortstop, of course, but you know, he's got enough skills to play a few different positions that you can see him at least playing in the dirt, maybe being a utility guy, but there's just no semblance of approach whatsoever. And I really don't know what to do with or Elvis Martinez uh, in these updated Blue Jay rankings because I kind of feel like he should drop out of maybe even the top 10 in kind of a bad system just because players like this without approach and just power don't really make it in the big leagues. Um, yeah, I was going to say, you're saying it's a tough profile. It's not a tough profile at all. It's just at this point, it's not a big leaguer. Um, that's really all it is. <laughs> People, there's still people that have some faith, you will dream on the tools forever, but at some point you have to wake up from that dream and realize it ain't reality. So <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not a fan, so I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, arguing with you on that point whatsoever. Yeah. It's just, it's tough. Like, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest tools for on staff, I think. Um, but you know, even at some point. You gotta say if if you had a week where you got on hot sheet and your batting average is up to point, your batting average still has a zero in front of it. it I think you raised it above the zero. I think you raised it above the zero. That was entering the week, so I'm gonna assume that. Well, probably in the ones now. Survey Um, says, let's see, everybody place your. He uh, is uh, 143, 211, 449. Okay. He actually okay. has a good slugging percentage. He has a 306 ISO with a 143 batting average. Yeah, it's like it's not like it's Joey Gallo where he's got like a, a he's running like a one a 200 batting average but like a 960 ops or something the other day. Yes. Yeah. Um. If you're gonna strike out, he's got an 079 batting average on balls in play, and while that should regress back to normal at some point. A 55% fly ball rate is, uh, and a 54% pull rate is not going to necessarily see that number climb too, too much. Nope. There are a lot of issues with Orelvis Martinez. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that, Jerry, other than hope he figures it out at some point. He's still young, uh, but repeating the level ain't a good sign. So it is what it is with Orelvis Martinez. But like we were talking about, you, you said, where, where are you going to put him in the Blue Jays? Uh, ten. Who would you rather have, Aurelvis Martinez or Nate Pearson? There's a, there is a correct answer. (laughs) 
Well, right now, Nate Pearson is a pretty decent reliever in the big there league. There you go. So That's the correct answer. That's probably the correct answer, but if we're looking three, four years down the road, I, I don't know. It's still, still going to um, be Nate Pearson. Probably is Nate Pearson. You know, Addison Barger, probably it's probably Barger. Um, you know, then you start to get to guys that are really struggling, like Kade Dowdy and Tucker Tolman and Josh Kasevich. Sorry, Josh. Um, uh, I, I'm pretty upfront that I, I he's a Josh, know. he's a Josh, he's a Josh and a duck. Yeah, I, I fully yeah. understand the allure with him, but there you go. Well, he was supposed <laughs> to have a good hit tool, but doesn't seem to be working too well now. But let's talk about another guy here, uh, that is a bit of a question mark. Uh, and yeah. himself, that would be Jake, uh, Jake, Jack Leiter of the Rangers. He had a good week. You wrote him up. What's going on with old Jack, old Gyro Jack? It seemed like he was sort of falling off. And uh, well, he, he had two consecutive starts now that have been pretty good, if I'm not mistaken. Three, actually. Two, three. Two in May. Whoa, um, bully. In May, I mean, he's found the strike zone more often. I'd have to go look back at what I, I wrote, but I think it's like four walks in 11 innings or something and no one run, but unearned. He's had his, his may looks really good. And you know, when we talk about Jack, I think we do forget that he missed, you know, he had one year at Vandy and then a, a little bit of another. And then, you know, got drafted. So he was, he missed, he didn't have a whole lot of college reps. There were a lot more issues than that with Jack, but he's throwing more strikes, which yeah. is, you know, I don't want to say half the battle, but it's part of the battle. And no, it's really, a battle. We'll, 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 <laughs> I've we'll, watched a few starts. That is the battle. Yeah, but it's not the only problem he's got going. It's only uh, two consecutive good starts. The, he had the, one the, walk. He had one walk in his previous start. I'm just talking about from us. Uh, in, in he gave up five. He did give up five runs though over four. Yeah, that's fine. You know, I'm I'm looking for the walks being lower at this point. Um, all right, all right, all right. So anyway, I can vibe um, with you there. Anyway, um, what are you saying about Jack? Oh, we, we've got our midseason updates coming up. Um, I think they're going to be out. I think our plan is June seventh, and so I'm going to start digging into the why of why Jack Leiter starting to turn around. I'll make some calls this week on him. But it's a really good sign that he's figuring it out. And we do have to also realize that the Texas League is a terrible place to pitch. Um, Frisco, Amarillo, all those places. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, if it was the home run thing, it wouldn't necessarily bug me as much as the walks did. But that being said, 26.7% K to BB percentage over those last three starts, 8.3% walk rate, 35% K rate. 185 batting average again, a one clean one whip um, with sort of neutral luck at 281. 685 left on base, um, which is just about neutral. Um, 300 ERA with a 316 FIP. So the underlying numbers have been pretty good over this stretch. And, you know, the period prior to that was not. Um, he struggled over his first four starts, had one sort of decent start mixed in there. But as you said, the walks were a major concern, had an 18.7% walk rate over his first four starts, a 12% K to BB ratio, uh, and a 689 FIP to a 563 ERA um, and a 194 whip. <laughs> so it has been, you know, night and day. And uh, let's hope that he's getting his sea legs uh, underneath him and 
is going to come back to relevancy because he is a player that I like quite a bit coming out of college. Any other thoughts on Jack Leiter before we move on to Spencer Jones and then take a quick commercial break? No, let's – Um, I mean, I, I, it's really as simple as that. Throw more strikes, baby steps at this point. Um, It was an ugly, ugly last year. But, you know, despite the fact that he was in double-A all year, it is easy to forget that it was his first professional season, period. Mm-hmm. Like, it might have done him a little bit of a uh, – might have been to his benefit to have started at Hickory, but he started double-A and got thrown right into the fire. So Yeah, I, I've heard rumors that that was, like, baked into his signing, too, that um, the Rangers said that we'll start you in double-A. So – no, I kind of wonder if that was dictated by Lighter's camp, but I can't be sure on that. So, might be hearsay, but uh, it's something that I had heard, and it wouldn't be shocking. Um, you know, he's a guy that likes a challenge, and you know, obviously came from a house with a uh, very competitive athlete for a father um, who had a very successful major league career. So that wouldn't be a shock. But before we go to commercial break, talk to me about Spencer Jones. He missed the first few games of last week. We don't know why. Um, the rumor was you, workload management. Oh, oh, he's like an NBA player. Fancy. That's what I heard, but I, mean, I can't, you know, don't have any, any truth serum for that. I know there was also a loss in the family, uh, but he never left the team. Um, so anyway, Spencer Jones has had a really, really good start to the year. I had been a little skeptical of him in April because while he was, you know, doing tons of impact on contact, he was also striking out a ton. And not um, walking. And not walking. He was, there was a lot of swing and miss and a lot of walk. It was, or not a lot of walk. It was, you know, I think it was 30-something percent, 37% at some point, strikeout rate, which, you know, it's a really red flag at high A. And a really red flag with a guy who's built like that and probably has a fair amount of holes for pitchers to exploit. This month... Now, granted, this month is a sample size is small if you play every game, but he hasn't he hasn't even played every game. I think he's running a twenty five percent strikeout rate, so it's gotten better, and that's far more manageable. And he's still, you know, crushing the ball, putting up big time exit velocities, being athletic as heck. Might be able to stick in center field if he doesn't. You could play him in a corner. All sorts of good stuff about him, and the reviews on him from scouts are really good. You know, I do ask him about. Hey, are you concerned about the strikeout rate at all? They, not really at this point. And they always come back to Joey Gallo struck out a ton in the minor leagues. That's absolutely true. So I believe Gallo struck out less than this. But, I mean, you got a left-hander with big-time power, big athleticism. I kind of think this is like in the Joey Gallo mold. So he's a very interesting player. What do you think of Spencer Jones, Geoff? Yeah, I just think the Gallo thing is tough because Gallo walks a ton. And that's my biggest concern with Jones is like, he kind of knew with a profile like this, he was going to strike out. He has a ton of power. He can run. Um, but for a college player, and granted, you know, he most, most of his experience was 2022, the Cape Summer. That's kind of his long stretch of playing games. You want to say that in comparison to other college hitters, he hasn't seen as many at-bats. Okay, fine. He was a two-way guy, you know, coming into Vanderbilt, etc. But I love the tools. I love sort of the ball of clay that's here. 
I'd like to see some approach gains, especially from a guy who played in the SEC, played a full season on the Cape in some competitive games, has seen high-level pitching. High A really shouldn't be that much of a challenge for him. Um, I do have some concerns about the approach, but I do think that the upside is immense. But when I compare him to someone else who's on the hot sheet this week, James Wood, to me, I think Wood is just easily the better prospect. Another big guy, the same sort of upside in terms of power and speed. I think he's a better fielder. I think he's a, a better athlete. And I think he's got much better plate approach and plate discipline. And he's younger. So when I start to compare him to a player like James Wood, it starts to sort of put him into perspective of where he should be. I think he's an everyday regular. Um, you know, I've seen some folks that think he's an above average regular, other, other folks meaning scouts that have him as sort of a soft regular, maybe platoon guy. I don't necessarily see the platoon side of things, but I do think he's just sort of a 50 and that's fine. He'll be an exciting one that at times I think people can dream on. And if the approach clicks, he could take that next step, but I'm just a little weary of whether he takes that next step or not. I'm sure our listeners are weary because we've gone 23 minutes without taking a break. So let's take a quick break now. And we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Josh, we are back with more Hot Sheet podcast, more Pirate Parrot and Water Bear or non-Water Bear talk that's going to go on here. Uh, I want to talk about a player here that was traded this offseason by the Braves, which is what the Braves do with most of their prospects. either get promoted to the major leagues and sign an extension or they get traded. So Justin Henry Malloy former Georgia Tech uh, third baseman. Malloy had a big week, hit 409, 500, 864. He, of course, is now with the Detroit organization. It's part of the Jimenez trade with AAA Toledo. He has been great this season thus far. Over 38 games, he's hitting 320, uh, 323, 455, 526. I think this is, with Nick Maton being the everyday third baseman, more or less, for the Tigers, or seeing the majority of the at-bats there, for me, Malloy kind of seems like the guy that should probably be up within the next couple of weeks. There's no reason to sort of keep him down in AAA any longer. 
he's by far, I, I think, the best option for the Tigers in third at third base. Um, I wonder how much longer until he's in Detroit because when you're putting up those sort of numbers in AAA and you have a guy who's, I believe, hitting under 200, starting as your everyday third baseman, you don't have a lot of future with him. He's probably better off as a utility option or a fill-in guy. I think you should just call it Malloy, give him the reins. I mean, what are they playing for this season? Give these guys some experience, let them learn on the job, and uh, can maybe be part of that core of the next uh, potential 500 or just below Tigers team. Oh, wow. High hopes there in Detroit. <laughs> um, the question is, do you think he can play third base? <laughs> that's that's the issue for me about letting him go play third base because the reviews on him in the fall league were middling or worse. Yeah, and they had him in the outfield before that, but I had gotten decent reviews from scouts on him in third base when he was in A-ball. So he's a good athlete, like, and the arm is there. I just think there's some weirdness to his arm action and he gets a little yippy like he'll double pump a little bit more than he probably should maybe the internal clock isn't good plays too fast i think the skills are there um yeah it's he's a weird one because i don't think it's just he could be like jd davis where all of a sudden he's like a decent third baseman you know which is kind of what we've seen this year with davis in the major league level yeah and this is super cynical there here but like if he's terrible there and you lose more games well you get a better draft pick. You get a better draft pick. So. Yeah, I, I think I think the trade off with uh, Maton's offense versus his defense isn't necessarily <laughs> such an issue personally, but we shall see what happens. I just think that he was an interesting name to drop there for all of you fantasy redraft players listening to this one. That might be a guy that I don't know. You take a little flyer on, can stash on the bench for a week and see what happens. All right, let's move on to another one. A guy who has been up and down. He's a divisive prospect, Josh. That would be one Ronnie Mauricio of the Mets. Um, another guy that's maybe on the cusps of the big leagues. Uh, big, tall switch hitter. I think he's listed at 6'3". There's no chance he's not like six foot five. if you've seen him, or 6'6". He looks like Michael Jordan in a baseball uniform. Um what are your thoughts here on Mauricio? Because the power has been good. The strikeouts are down. Still an aggressive hitter, though. Yeah, he's still an aggressive hitter, but the strikeouts are are more than manageable right now. Yeah. Like he's, I think he was like at 16% right now, uh-huh. which is exceptional for a guy like him with that power. Like, and he was at, at, um, at mid, or not midseason, whenever we did our, our first top 100 update, we did get feedback from executives saying, some of them saying this is a guy who should be in there. The power is is real, and it has been real for a long time. That's never been a question. It's just been, is he going to strike out too much? And he's striking out less in AAA, which to me, and he's starting to play other positions, which tells me that the Mets are thinking about it at some point because I'm yeah. sure they're going to play shortstop in the big leagues because they've got a, a pretty good one up there. But, you know, it, it's easy to forget how young he is. I believe he's still 21, which – you know, college junior in AAA doing what he's doing. It's pretty good to me. I, I remember two years ago, uh, 2021, yeah, when I went to Wilmington, the aforementioned Wilmington, uh, to see him and Alvarez and Beatty all in the same. And those batting practices were unreal amounts of fun. 
And I know, I know Mauricio actually lost one in game. I want to say it was Oppo over the scoreboard at Frawley Stadium, which uh, is an impressive poke. As we all know, Frawley Stadium is known for depressing hairs. It's the anti-Redding. You mentioned Redding earlier. It is the anti-Redding. Uh, we were talking about this on Slack last night for different reasons. Um, but point is, like, it's he's still really young. He's still got some really enviable gifts and tools. And I wouldn't be surprised me if he was in the big leagues at some point soon. His his height has to be incorrect. Because heights are are incorrect. I mean, my favorite. Oh, I'm going to share this one with you. Look at the chat. I just sent you a, a, a tweet, and it is a picture of of uh, Mark Vientos next to Ronnie Mauricio. Vientos is listed at six foot four, and Mauricio is listed at six foot three. Mauricio is taller. He's slouched, and his shoulders, I think, start at uh vientos's chin like and he's been this tall for two years i don't understand how this hasn't been updated he he's got to be six five i well, I, don't, listed, I don't think I'm exactly. things never get updated i mean yeah my but, my uh, favorite story about that is I, I will not name the prospect but there was a listed height weight and then we i asked one of my organizations for his official height weight well it's unfortunate this gentleman not only gained 40 pounds, but he got four inches shorter. So it was uh, it was tough times for that. Like the listed height and weight, or another one I'll give you. Uh, when I was first here, and when Aaron Judge was still a prospect, he was listed at 6'7", 230, I think. And I, you know, we put it in the book. Because what am I going to do? Bring a tape measure and a scale to every prospect and say, hello, stranger, step on. Uh, no. He, he, we put him in the book, and I think Judge actually tweeted at BA, like, like, when did I lose 40 pounds or whatever? Well, what do you want us to do? You, know, you can only deal with so much in terms of finding accurate heights and weights. If they update them, they update them. If they don't, they don't. If you have friendly organizations, they'll, they'll tell you the truth. Anyway, yeah. heights, heights and weights or whatever. But he's, he's a big boy regardless. He's, um, yes. he's a shooting guard regardless. Yeah, I, he might even be a small forward or a swingman. You know, maybe he could play the six because he's long. He's got those long arms, you know, depending upon what your power forward is like. You know what he is? He's definitely a power forward. Or I meant to say play the four, but yeah. Uh, Anyway, um, we'll see, man. Yeah. So let me go with my last guy here because we went through all of yours. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about... If you guys hear clanging in the background, that is because I am simultaneously podcasting and fighting squirrels. So... I hope those sound effects don't come through, but if they if they do, here's a window into what noises you're hearing. Should go to Richmond, you know, get <laughs> flying squirrels. Um, anyway, so Hunter Goodman, this Eastern League guy, twelve home runs. He is number one in home runs, tied with the Cardinals' Chandler Redmond for the most home runs by a non-Triple A hitter. Don't forget, Triple A's played a few more games. Than the rest of the league, so they've had a bit of a head start. Um, plus, some of those AAA guys they get to play in the PCL. It's a different environment, more games, plus PCL parks equal more home runs. Um, Goodman has continued just to mash and show better plate discipline. Equal walk and strikeout rate this week had four strikeouts, four walks, six hits, uh, hit four home runs. Actually, all six of his hits were for extra bases, which is no surprise if you've seen Hunter Goodman hit a baseball. He hits it extremely hard. 
Um, I'm excited about this guy. I think that he is very much in play for the top 100. And he's a guy that's going to move squarely into the top 10, maybe even the top five of this Rocky system, which is full of really exciting, talented hitters. Goodman is showing something off here. Um, Big question with him is defense, of course. Not great behind the plate. Hasn't played a ton there this year. They've tried him at first base, which I do think is his probable eventual his probable eventual position. He's played some left field as well. They've also played Colin Simpson in left field, so he's not been their worst left fielder. Um, I think it's good that he has options of playing a few different positions, kind of fitting to a utility st- style format. But I think ultimately this is the perfect profile for a first baseman. A ton of power, decent approach, um, and. You know, he's not a terrible athlete either. So I, I like Hunter Goodman. He's a guy that's really grown on me this year. I've obviously seen him quite a bit over the you know first five, six weeks of the season. Um, but I am pretty impressed with you know what he's done so far this year. And we've gotten good feedback from opposing scouts as well. So he could be a name that you know finds himself nestled in the back end of that top 100 very shortly. Um, anything you want to say on Hunter Goodman or any other players that you wanted to make a comment on? Well, you kind of nailed Hunter Goodman. I don't really think I have anything to add there. Uh, you, you, uh, did the audio book biography on Hunter Goodman. Yeah. I, I will note that he did this last year too. He was really good last year in, um, Oh, Spokane and, and, or Hartford, if I remember correctly. In Fresno. He's, he kind of stunk in Hartford. He was good. He, st- he actually climbed three levels of the minors last year. Played two levels of A-ball, hit pretty well across the two levels of A-ball, and struggled a little bit in Hartford toward the end of the season. This is why you're the biographer, and I'm not. <laughs> I cover the Rockies, and I see Hartford a lot. So Yeah. You know. okay. Either way, he's he's been a guy who's hit, hit for a lot of power in the past. And yeah, for sure. He to do so. Um, no, there's nobody else I really want to touch on. You know, I saw some guys last week that were fun. I, I would say, you know, Jacob Mizierowski was fun last week. Um, it's going to strike out a lot of guys. There's a lot to work on there. A lot of re- reliever risk. Uh, I'd say, you know, I'm going to keep talking about Brewers because I keep seeing Brewers. Um, there's a right-hander in their system named Will Rudy, who was their fifth rounder last year's converted mm-hmm. infielder. Uh, nice little fastball sweeper profile uh, who really opened some eyes in the scouting section at Zebulon this past week. Just wanted to keep yeah. an eye on. Um, and this week, uh, I am going to see one Jackson Holiday mm. at uh, Winston-Salem. Well, he's playing for Aberdeen, but they're at Winston-Salem. Uh, I believe the J.J. Coop Bear will be joining me on at least one of my pilgrimages out to see them. Nice. Uh, if the weather holds tonight, I will be seeing a non-prospect named Tyler Glasnow pitching at Durham. Although, to be fair... Get healthy, bud. I will I will be um, probably more focused on the various position players. I mean, I'm a big Oslavis Basave fan. Um, Manzardo. Manzardo. I, I don't know if Curtis Mead's back yet. He should be back soon-ish. Um, those guys are there. The opposing team, the Nashville Sound, doesn't really have anybody prospect-wise. Um, but it should be. It's, it's a lighter week. The next week, uh, Down East comes in. Uh, and uh, I ranged one of my teams, so I'll be seeing a fair amount of them at Zebulon, which is a much easier drive than Kinston. Um, I think I can go round trip 
from Zebulon and the time it takes me to get to Kinston. So that's, and plus the video uh, angles are a lot better there. Um, Fayetteville, Fayetteville, uh, yeah, Fayetteville next week has um, Myrtle Beach in. There's a lot of early buzz on Jackson Ferris. Um, Cubs pitching prospects, so I'll hopefully go get to see him. Uh, and yeah, that's in, in, in the middle of all that, there's going to be updates to the top 30s. Uh, I have my four teams that I do for the book, Yankees, the Giants, Rangers, and Marlins, and I also do the Pirates and the Guardians for the updates. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my next couple of weeks. What about you, JJ? Wow, what about you? Yeah, but it's fine. Yeah, um, GG. This week I have I haven't looked at next week yet. I'm living one one week at a time, one quarter mile at a time. You know, living my my fast and furious life. Uh, did a bunch of Portland games last week. I drove up there and back three times, which is a lot of driving. Um, but this week, yeah, I'm gonna be driving up to New Hampshire. I think tonight to see Dom Hamill's, uh Plan is to catch uh, Robersi later in the week um and sort of go from there uh already seen mike vassal so i don't need to double up with him um though i suppose i could and we'll see if there's anything happening in uh in worcester not really exciting series this week and then hartford is portland and i've seen hartford in portland already so i don't know if i really need to go back to hartford to see portland my my options are limited Maybe I'll get crazy and drive to like Hudson Valley or something. I got to double check who they have in town this week. I think it's Brooklyn who I've seen Brooklyn and Hudson Valley as well. So once again, my options are a little limited right now. Uh, we shall see, you know, I might be watching some games on TV a couple of ga- a couple of days this week, but uh, I think I'll probably make the drive out for Dom Hamels tonight. So uh, go from there, you know, cut up some video, love seeing different pictures and, seeing what they got and, you know, sort of getting my own mental Rolodex on how I rank them myself. And, you know, the data sort of folds into that uh, to, you know, I guess, argue against my, my live looks, but there we go. So Josh, anything else you want to say, or can we wrap this up? We can wrap this up like a Hanukkah present. All right, there we go. Well, he is Josh in North Carolina. I am Jeff in Massachusetts. That was another week of Hot Sheet Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 